0: Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music and lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers, I'm Trevor. And I'm Shane. On this podcast, we discuss two albums per month. One of us chooses a new album from this calendar year, and the other chooses an album that's been around a while. What album did you pick for us to review today, Trevor? Today we'll be discussing Field Music's new album, Making a New World, released January 10th of this year, 2020.
1: won't hear right against the crib. Settle down. Once we brushed off this infernal dust, I gotta he was a farmer's boy. I hear Judy's mother and his father right. when a tummy needs a home.
0: He's decided oh man I Shane, there was a lot to dig into on this album. Yeah, totally. I'm gonna need your help dissecting these <laughs> lyrics. Do the best I can. Uh, we had about a week of listening to this album before we're reviewing it here as we're starting out the new year, 2020. And We picked a doozy for the first one, but I think it was a good one. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about
2: it. Yeah, I I think it had a really cool sound. It was awesome to listen to. The first first time I checked it out, I was busy working on some other stuff, so I just decided I'd play it in the background to get a first uh, run through on the sound and then uh, listen to it a couple other times with headphones zoned in on the lyrics. It's definitely a, a fascinating... Album that uh, challenges you to try to to figure out um, some of the the messages. Yeah, were you familiar with Field Music before we started listening to this? Did you heard of no, them? No, this was my first exposure.
0: It was mine too. I I've, I'd heard of them before. I I knew somewhat they were kind of an indie band. I, I think I mm-hmm. kind of thought they were from England, but I I didn't know for sure. And I couldn't have told you anything about how long they've been around or or anything like that. So. It was a fun one to start with. I I was looking through the limited number of albums that had been released uh, early here in January and reading about a concept album about the after effects of World War 1 by a British indie band kind of tripped my trigger. I thought, okay, I think I think that's my pick for for our first one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was a good pick. I think it was too, but man, I didn't know what I was getting into, so there's a lot <laughs> right. to unpack with this band.
2: Yeah, I had some time to do a little bit of research on the band just to get some basic knowledge, but I, I probably didn't dig into them as much since this was your chosen album. What did, what did you find? What are, what are some things you can share about uh, this band for our listeners?
0: Yeah, sure. Let me give you a little bit of background history. This is what I learned from Digging Deep on field music. So the band formed in 2004, and it's mainly a work by two brothers, David and Peter Brewis. They're from a little town called Sunderland, England, which is kind of in the northeast part of England. And over the course of the years, it's mostly just been the two of them, though they've had kind of a rotating cast of of artists playing for live shows, different albums. Some notable members, they've had some guys from a band called Maximo Park, which is a band I hadn't heard of and I didn't get a chance to dig into another band called Future Heads. Those are both English kind of alt-rock, post-punk bands, respectively. Future Heads had Peter Brewis playing drums for them prior to forming Field Music. David Brewis was also in a couple different projects, one called The New Tellers and then one called Electronic Eye Machine before starting Field Music. And some of the earliest Field Music songs were iterations of, of songs from those bands. Mm-hmm. And They emerged kind of, um, at the time, of a lot of indie bands were becoming more mainstream. So, initially, when people talked about listening to indie music, it it was what it stood for, that that indie meaning independent artists. Maybe they weren't attached to a major label that were kind of underground, lo-fi. And then, of course, just like anything else, when that started becoming a little bit more mainstream, that became a marketable sound. And right around 2004, there were some notable... You know, quote, indie notable indie rock albums that were released. I think the most noteworthy one would be Arcade Fire's Funeral was released in 2004.
2: Yeah, that's a good
0: album. Yeah, great album and, and probably one of the biggest ones that propelled indie music to, to be in mainstream. A lot of people had heard of Arcade Fire by the time 2004, 2005 rolled around. Another noteworthy one from that time would be Modest Mouse released the album Good News for People Who Love Bad News that had like the song mm-hmm. Float On. Yeah. music like that and and Modest Mouse had been a band for a long time and before that album was released and and really that catapulted them up to to mainstream and and uh radio play and even like commercials for Super Bowl I remember a couple other noteworthy ones would be like The Killers Hot Fuss in 2004 that was their breakout album just all painting the picture of the time that field music emerged this was some time where indie music was being coming a little bit more opposite of indie becoming a little bit more mainstream so field music fit that mold to a certain extent but they also brought some other elements that maybe some of those indie artists weren't bringing in those early 2000s elements like prog pop new wave type of sound
1: Mm -hmm.
0: they were always leaning a little bit more on um, kind of the artistic side than the accessible side so where some of these indie artists were creating songs that had some radio friendliness field music really was never doing that they were always kind of doing Mm -hmm. their own thing and
2: yeah yeah i I read that uh, some people even described their music as art rock, which is a genre that I really hadn't heard of, artistic rock, doing things that are more creative, I assume, something that's unique that can't be labeled by something else. And I read something about them almost wanting to keep the band name field music but go with a different sound or different projects that they didn't want to be labeled as strictly an indie rock band or be defined by a certain sound, but that they wanted to branch out and do things that were a little bit more creative, which maybe has led to this album that we're talking about today that that is um, a true concept album and unlike a lot of other mainstream music. Yeah, I think I read that same that same thing that for a while there they took
0: a little hiatus, which I'll talk about coming up, but they right. uh yeah. they went ahead and did some things that were a little bit more um yeah, a little more art leaning even than this perhaps and didn't really want to get buried in that that mm-hmm. indie bubble a little bit because I think they recognized that right around the time that they were becoming A band was when some of the definitions of that were unraveling a little bit, and they just didn't want to get swept up in in all of that.
2: It was fascinating to me, too, that the brothers started their own solo projects and and band before they decided to establish field music, uh, and then had a a short hiatus, did some other uh, side projects, and then eventually got back together and started putting out uh, music again. Yeah, It's kind of cool to hear their story.
0: Yeah, it's cool to hear their story for sure. And yeah, so they, they kind of carved out a place for themselves with some staying power, I think mainly because they didn't really fit into that category where some of the other ones were being moved along and people were saying, oh, indie music is done or we're, we're past that wave of the early 2000s indie guitar sound. Since they didn't really fit that bubble, I think they've had some, some staying power beyond it a little bit. And they, they also draw inspiration for some other eras, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Some comparisons were made to bands like Steely Dan, which I actually didn't hear on this album, but I'm interested in venturing back into some of their old ones now that I've been listening to this one.
2: Yeah, I read I read that too.
0: Yeah, they mentioned Peter Gabriel and, and Talking Heads, which I hear big time mm-hmm. on this album, especially on a couple tracks. Prince is another one that yeah. there's some ties to for sure you can hear. I even hear a little bit of David Bowie and and even some Beach Boys on a couple songs, which we'll yeah. talk about when we get into the track by track. But
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I saw one of their influences is uh, Fleetwood Mac also, which... Oh, no way. Uh, I didn't read that. Yeah, kind cool. of yeah, I
0: could hear that for sure.
2: Interesting mixed in with all those other sounds. They're definitely a very dynamic band that pulls from a lot of genres and a lot of different sounds in their music, at least with this album that I heard. Yeah. I... Kind of gets me excited to go check out some of their other stuff. Me too. Yeah, that's one of the fun things about doing this. I, I, I want to pause
0: here and just say, we just started this, but I think it's already having its desired effect. Just digging into this yeah, album yeah, totally. in this last week has made me probably more excited about this than uh, an album I've heard in quite a while, just because I feel like I really am had absorbed it. And then going back into the band's history, like you said, makes me want to dig into some of their older ones. So mm-hmm. I'm already having fun with this. And, and you're right. This, this makes me want to check out some of their other ones, reading some of those influences for sure.
2: Yeah. So it's probably worth noting, this is their seventh studio album, right? It looks like their last couple had some good success, pretty high on the UK pop charts. Yeah, exactly. Especially their one right before this is another one I want mm-hmm. to go back to.
0: In reading a little bit about the history of the band, it sounds like their, their 2018 release, which was called Open Here, is kind of their their critical darling album. Um, and I listened to a little bit of it, and I, it, it does sound like it's pretty cool and, and a little bit different than this one. So, um, yeah, I'm going to yeah. definitely go back and check that one out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But if we go back before that, so so between 2004 and 2007, they released a couple albums. Their, their first one was self-titled, and then their second one was called Tones of Town. They also released a collection of B-sides called Write Your Own History, and um, included songs from the New Tellers and the Electric Eye Machine, which I uh, mentioned earlier as being projects by David Brewis. They took a little planned hiatus that you mentioned a second ago mm-hmm. between the years of 2007 and nine to work on some other projects. David Bruis released music under the name School of Language, and Peter Brewis recorded music under the name The Week That Was. They reunited in 2009 to record an album called also sort of self-titled, but it had a colon, so it's Field Music Measure was the name of that album. And it sounds like it was also kind of a doozy in terms of size. It was a 20-song double album. Um, and, and then in 2010, they released an album called Plum as their fourth album. 2013, they composed a score for a silent film, 1929 film called Drifters. That's noteworthy because they've got a little bit of history already in creating music that is influenced by something else. And, and we'll get into why that's important with the concept of this album. And then in 2014, David Brewis released a second School of Language album called Old Fears. So just showing that they, they are prolific artists, even outside of the, the band Field Music. Both Peter and David joined their former bass player in a band called Slug, and they released an album called Ripe in 2015. Peter Brewis also released an album called Frozen by Sight in November of 2014.
2: That's quite the discography to get into between field music and their side projects. Yeah, and then done side projects.
0: Exactly. Lots of good stuff. And then
2: in 2016, they
0: released their fifth album as Field Music. That one was called Common Time. They also worked with a Newcastle duo called Warm Digits for a soundtrack for a film called Asunder. And this film Asunder was created to commemorate 100 years after World War I. And film centered around the film director's hometown called Hull, which is a seaside town that was frequently bombed by German zeppelins during World War I. So there's your ties back to World War I. And then we already mentioned that in 2018, they released that album called Open Here. And again, that one was the one that really seemed like it was the critical darling. That's, I think that's the, my next one I want to dig into. That album had a lot of songs about Brexit frustration. And definitely that was the one that critics seemed to really, really like a lot. Hmm. Um, so with their 2016 work with that duo Warm Digits, on that film asunder where they were talking a little bit about the First World War, they were then commissioned by the Imperial War Museum to do like a light and sound show for the museum and they were inspired by this image from this uh, 1919 publication by the United States Department of War and the image was this artistic representation that was called the end of the war and if you look at the cover of this making New World album, you can see a little image of that. It's, it's basically these little wavy lines that then turn into these, these straight lines, and they're these vibrations that show the exact moment of gunfire at the end of the war at 11 a.m. on November 11th, hmm. 1918, where the armistice that ended the World War went into effect. The image was created using this technique called sound ranging, that uses these transducers to capture these vibrations that were displayed on this graph and then the distance between peaks on there helped them figure out how far away enemy gunfire was. It showed two minutes basically. The first minute was this all this harsh noise leading up to that end of the war and then it was followed by this minute of silence and this is what gave the Brewis brothers their inspiration to create this album. They originally thought that they were just gonna make instrumental album for this Imperial War light and sound project, but the more they started digging deeper into some of the after effects of the war and got interested in some of these subtle stories, they decided there really was kind of a full album here. One quote I wanted to read by David Brewis, he said, the goal was to capture the echoes of the first war in all the time since. And he said, we imagined the lines from that image continuing across the next 100 years. We looked for stories which tied back to specific events from the war and the immediate aftermath.
2: That's a really cool history and lead up to the album. Yeah. So the stories that they chose, they, were,
0: they weren't were really the obvious stories about war. There's really no overt mentions to like military and, and warfare. They decided instead to dig into the history of um, all these hidden narratives that, that took place you know, right after the war leading all the way up to today. That's the making of a new world. Well, you ready to get into the track-by-track analysis? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So let's take a listen to the first track. One is called Sound Ranging, which of course is a reference to the way that that picture was taken that inspired the album itself. It's an instrumental track, so we'll take a listen here.
2: Glad you made that connection to sound ranging that, that definitely puts some context to the instrumental song and makes it mean a little bit more than uh, what it did the first time listening through that.
0: Yeah, I didn't quite know what they were getting at at first until I read some of the history of it. And mm-hmm. and it's, um, it, we'll, we'll listen to the second track in a second, but the first two tracks are instrumental first one being called Sound Raging, and then the second song called Silence. To me, those those first two tracks represents both the left and the right side of that art installation. So the left side is all the peaks and jagged lines that are representing the last minutes of the war. And you can hear in that song, the drum beats, they kind of have that explosive sound, kind of like gunfire Mm -hmm. off in the distance. And so to me, it represented that left
2: side just just before the war ended. Yeah. And then there was like some indistinguishable chatter in the background. That kind of drew me in a little bit. What did you make of that?
0: Yeah, good question. I I wasn't sure either if that was just representative of some of the people that were there on the battlefield and and Mm -hmm. adding a little bit of a human element to it as well. But it was a very spacious song, and, and it did sort of put you in that presence of what it might have felt like at the at the last mm-hmm. uh, minute of that war.
2: Yeah, I mean, without even knowing the, the background to the album, listening to that draws you in and lets you know that what, what you're about to hear is, is something meaningful or powerful that you should pay attention. Yeah, it was definitely helpful in this case to know the background of
0: the band and what they were trying to do, because I think if I was just putting this album on and heard two instrumental tracks at the beginning... I may not be quite as interested as I was having known Mm -hmm. the history and and that uh, sound-ranging image that inspired the album to begin with. All right, so let's listen to track two. Okay, This one is called Silence. All right. So that's track two, Silence. And as I talked about before, after the first track, Sound Ranging, this is the, this would be the right side of that image, that art installation where those jagged lines from what is the last moments of the war become, you know, become more straight lines and and quiet. And so this, that represents the end of the war.
2: Yeah, the, the slow tempo of that piano really gives that message. Yeah, definitely.
0: And so that all of that builds into and sets the tone for the album as we go. So let's listen to track 3. This song is called Coffee or Wine.
2: That's that's a really great song. I I didn't know what to expect, or uh, I guess it kind of caught me off guard with the sound and how the the tempo switched to something a little bit more upbeat after a one and two, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I like the lyrics. I, I got the sense it was talking about maybe a soldier going home uh, from war and um, moving back after being away for a long time and trying trying to think about what that's going to be like. Yeah,
0: exactly. I love how it's it's a theme across this album one song kind of ends and the other one begins and unless you're paying attention to the track turnover you don't really realize it and if you listen to the end of silence mm-hmm. track two in the beginning of coffee or wine they bleed right into each other and yeah it's really cool how they made them flow seamlessly yeah and so this just jumps right out of the silence so to speak into into this song and this one um i really like how they kind of juxtapose it's a kind of a happy sounding song it's got a lot of bouncy harmonies and Mm -hmm. kind of happy sounding piano chords and and quick strumming and then all of a sudden you realize that the lyrics are just like you said it's about a soldier coming home and and words like um who's left around the door will you, you recognize me have you grown away from me so kind of what somebody might be thinking as he returns from war, mm-hmm. and then the title "Coffee or Wine" in in this song, it's it's imagining on the other end of you know the soldier that's given just about everything he has and and able to come back from war. It's it's um, contrasting that with two maybe like aristocratic people in a room somewhere signing off on the the peace treaty with a fountain pen. Oh, yeah, and one say, offering the other one, "Would you like some coffee or would you like some wine?" Mm-hmm. While I just basically put my signature on the bottom of this paper to uh, signify that we are now in a time of peace and Yeah, that's really cool. The amount of effort that the soldier put into that compared to the person signing the signing the actual document is mm-hmm. quite a contrast and I think that's one of the things that they were trying to convey with the title and with the words of the song Coffee or Wine. So I yeah, I liked I like this one.
2: Yeah, I didn't make that connection. That's re- that's really cool. Kind of the irony of the, the people who are in charge of creating an ending war versus the soldiers who get thrown into the battlefield. Exactly, yeah. All right, let's keep moving through the album. Let's listen to track four.
0: This song is called Best Kept Garden.
1: Settle down Once we brushed off this infernal dust I got deals a farmer's boy I hear Judd is mother and his father right when a tummy needs a home he's decided where I should go
0: That was best kept garden and Apparently, the there was something called the Housing Act of 1919, which per, was permitted by the London County Council to build housing and act as a landlord outside of the London territory. And so they built they built like 29,000 dwellings to accommodate about 145,000 people within five years. And and these were supposed to be homes fit for heroes after World War One. So this was. Hmm. something that was enacted in uh, 1919 to basically take care of the veterans that were coming home from war and one of the quintessential things about these were that most of the land at the time was marked gardens and residents were able to pick rhubarb peas and cabbages from abandoned market gardens and so that this song is about about that about some city planning that took place after the war.
2: Hmm. It's definitely a very upbeat song. It was probably my favorite on the album, if I had to pick one.
0: I think this one might be my favorite, too. A couple things stood out to me about this one. The percussion at the beginning, to me, sounded like hammers and nails, somebody building something. Mm-hmm. And then, man, I could not get enough of the, the guitars that were just jutting in. Um, they had these like really uh, jagged-sounding guitar riffs that came in around like the 115 mark, and then again, it, the... 220 mark that just totally made the song a lot of like left channel right channel interplay between the Mm -hmm. guitars I thought that was super super cool
2: the the vocals were cool too almost like he was flipping to falsetto a bit as he was uh, kind of crescendoing up to to accent certain words it, it just had a kind of an excited uh feel to it
0: yeah i think that's one of the things i like the best about this one too because one of the i suppose criticisms of this album could be that it's it's pretty um it's pretty polished and um, mm-hmm. all the songs feel like they you know fit the grid and and it's um you know another way to describe it is the, the band sounds super tight yeah yeah which is great but everything's pretty clean in its production and how it was created and I agree on this song you can hear his vocals kind of break up a little bit yeah it's a or little it more raw little more of a human yeah a little bit more of a mm. human element to it there so right I yeah. like that part of this song too
2: yeah definitely
0: all right well let's move on to track five okay this song is called I Thought You Were Something Else this is another instrumental song
2: That track is, is uh, very mysterious. Did you happen to find out anything that might explain the title in relation to that sound? No, I. that's the one song that I couldn't figure out what the title meant. Um, I don't know
0: what I thought you were something else is about or how it relates back to the World War I theme. So that was one hmm. that is still a bit of a mystery to me. I, I wonder if some of them really were just because this started out as an instrumental project, if some of them were placed in there as a result of, of that being where they started but yeah I don't I don't know how it might relate back to the theme even though some of the other instrumentals do have a, a relationship to the World War one theme I'm not sure how this one does but
2: yeah I don't know but um, unless it has something to do with having the enemy painted a certain way and then and then realizing that maybe they're not you know something that violates your preconceived notion about whatever it is I mean obviously that's explicitly stated in the title of I thought you were something else but um, in reference to the war, I don't know what maybe would have been challenged.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I'm not, I'm not sure what it might be.
2: I I, I read somewhere that all the s- songs
0: were supposed to be somewhat chronological, mm. which which would imply that perhaps um, this took place after the war as well. Mm, mm-hmm. But I don't know if the, what I read was a reliable source on that. So yeah, it very well could be something like that. I I don't know. Hmm. But I like the upright bass and the jazz piano that comes in at the beginning. Um, you start hearing the guitar and the little shaker come in after that. I kind of just thought of this one as sort of a, a palate cleanser
2: <laughs> in the album. That was sure. That's how I felt yeah. this one. That's a good way to put it. All right, so that gets us into track six, Between Nations. Let's take a listen. This song is really cool. It, it almost uh, makes me think of the 60s in a way, kind of Beatles-esque uh, with with the way they're singing. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I, I hear
0: some Beatles for sure. I, I heard some Beatles on some other tracks. This one, though, made mm-hmm. me think of Beach Boys.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: That uh, pulsing keyboard part at the beginning and, and those mm-hmm. falsetto, slow falsetto vocals, I, I almost expected the next line to start kicking in and, and have the... I'm picking up good vibrations. Start to pick up in there. <laughs> Clearly that's not the way the song went, but it yeah, right. that's where mine was going. Yeah, yeah. And this song I just took as a more conventional commentary on war and peace. So mm-hmm. you know, it was talking about um that fragility of of peace. In midst times of war, it wasn't that long between the between the first and second world wars. And so there's words in here like, I held a view that memory alone would serve to keep us all contracted to a common view without a forced design to keep the peace between. Uh, basically just saying that um, I thought we would all kind of remember how bad things could get and, and keep this from happening again. But the next line is, I could
2: have been wrong after that. Mhm. Yeah, almost almost like it should have been implied that people felt or thought a certain way, but you know, maybe I was wrong and that that's not the case in war.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know what your thoughts are, but anytime you're reading a history book after a war, it just seems so obvious after the fact. That's the hind- hindsight being 2020 part about well, of course, of course this is a ridiculous thing to be fighting about or how how come they couldn't solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And with other means and then yet here we are in 2020 and and we'll always be you know on the brink of war in one way or another between certain nations and uh
2: yeah yeah there's always some tension
0: yeah yeah this this album this song they're always talking about that arc that continues even after the first world war that still exists now of um that
2: just fragility of times of peace between between times of war unpredictable Another point about the, this album as a whole, and, and this song and many others, uh, is that they were able to construct songs with, with very few words, only a couple lines without really a, a true refrain or chorus in a lot of songs. They were basically just putting a message on, on paper and then putting sound to it, and this one was, it was really short and sweet and to the point, but very powerful in uh what they had to say
0: yeah good point yeah they don't they're not super verbose in how they they talk about these things but definitely gets the point across with the with the words in the music yeah
2: and i think they probably left a lot up for interpretation from the listener too because a lot of the lines are kind of abstract and don't really completely tell you uh, what you're supposed to know.
0: Yeah, that's true, and we, we talked about it, that in our intro episode of how that's a really cool element of music and art in general, is once the once the artist releases it to the world, it's up to the consumer to to put their own interpretation and, and draw their own meaning from it, and that's that's one of the cool things about art is it can mean something to different people.
2: Mm-hmm. So you ready to move
0: on to track number seven? Sounds good, track number is called A Change of Air.
1: My name, I was told I was next in line. A change of head. a change of head. a change of head. a change. Of
2: That's a really cool song, too. I I almost hear the Beatles a little bit in that one as well with the sound. Uh, I really like the the lyrics in this one, the story that's being told. He says, I I was told I was next in line, a change of air. So I packed up and left for the hills, away from the fame. I I got the impression that it was somebody maybe in some type of a royal family and um, that they would soon be following in those same footsteps and were a bit rebellious or didn't want to be a part of that, so they left for the hills away from the fame. But I don't quite know the context uh, behind that. Did Did you happen to find anything, or am I way off? <laughs> you know what?
0: Actually, it's amazing that you're as close as you are. I did figure out the context of this song. This is one that did have a very specific story and meaning behind it, mm-hmm. and you're not you're not too far off, but it's got a really interesting little twist to it. So this song is got kind of two main characters wrapped up in it, and the, the main one is this uh, man named Dr. Harold Giles, who is often considered the father of modern plastic surgery. And the reason that's relevant around World War One is he started some of the first skin grafts after injuries sustained during the war. And why this was an interesting narrative for field music and why they chose to to take this as they thought about the after effects of the war and how it's relevant here in 2020 is some of the work that Harold Giles had done eventually led to some of the first gender confirmation surgeries. And Hmm. the first gender confirmation surgery was completed in 1946, believe it or not, longer ago than I would have guessed. Dr. Harold Giles performed the surgery on a man named Michael Dillon. Mm Mm-hmm. And Michael Dillon was also a physician, and he was also a writer. And he wrote a book called Self, also subtitled A Study of Endocrinology and Ethics. And Michael Dillon um, came from an aristocratic background, which meant that he was next in line for the title of baronet, which I had to do some research on. <laughs> Apparently, a baronet is like, it's underneath baron. And, but it's like a, almost equivalent as to knighthood in English, okay. and it's awarded to the, by the British crown. Mm-hmm. And there was some controversy between whether he or his sister was actually next in line, and I'm guessing this was oh. because maybe she was, she was older, but he was, you know, he had become male, and so generally mm-hmm. next in line should be the male. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, and so this debate, um, wow led to a lot of attention and and Michael Dylan was not interested in this attention and so he fled he left to India mm. and so the line I, I wrote a book I changed my name is about is about Michael Dylan I was told I was next in line so I packed and left for the hills away from the fame and then the last line which okay. now I think you're gonna understand says and this is a line from his book self the last line of the song is, if, if the mind won't fit the body, let the body fit the mind. Mm-hmm. So that's what this song is about.
2: Yeah, wow. That really puts it into perspective. That sheds a different light on the song. I, I Obviously, uh, deduced from that last line that you just said that it, it was some type of uh, a turmoil or mismatch between the body and the mind, and that a, a change of course uh, had to occur in order to, to follow the mind, but I had no idea it was about gender.
0: Yeah, field music really—they uh, really dug deep and and they just ran with whatever stories led to inspiration. And, and definitely, this is a pretty obscure one and not a common thing you maybe think about when you think of World
2: War One. But yeah, that's not a story I would have expected to come out of the 1940s.
0: Exactly, and and um, having history even prior to that with the skin grafts um, by the doctor after the injuries sustained the war. But it, it kind of makes sense how one leads to the other. So you can kind of see field music looking at those straight Mm -hmm. lines at the end of that art exhibit and imagining
2: where it all ended up yeah crazy to think that was almost 80 years ago and where we are today with those same issues all right so let's move on through the album we'll talk about track eight
0: it's called do you read me They get a little funky in that one. They do get a little funky in that one. That that one reminds me, I hear a little bit, bit of David Bowie in that one. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite parts of that song is I like that one note harmony by the female vocalist in there. There's just that, do you read me mm-hmm. down there, down there? I think that yeah. adds a really cool yeah, yeah. element to the chorus that kind of just jumps out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you can, you can tell that, that she is in the background or from, from far away. Yeah, yeah. Which fits into the lyrics. Yeah.
0: So, in reading about this song, this is another example where oftentimes war forces advances in technology, and the United States Army developed the first two-way radios and placed them in planes during World War I. Hmm. And that's what this song is about. It's about air traffic control. Okay. The first airport traffic control to regulate arrivals and departures and, and aircraft movement didn't actually open until 1930, but... In World War One, they they did have some two-way radios, and it was the first time they were placing them in the planes, and so that's what this is about: is just uh, innovation and technology coming out of something as disastrous as war. So maybe some some good things developing from from uh, the war itself, and and uh, air traffic control is one of those things.
2: Yeah, I definitely heard the 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 sounds of planes in the in the instrumental uh, that made me think about that but i didn't connect it to air traffic control i was going to ask you if if you knew what uh they were talking about by saying can you hear me or who they were trying to communicate with there so that helps uh clarify that a little bit
0: yeah i, I wouldn't have probably necessarily got it if i wasn't reading all about the history of the album and the making of the album but and that's one of the fun things about doing what we're doing i i've learned more than i mm-hmm. would have otherwise great song anyway i I think i would have really enjoyed it not knowing exactly what it's
2: about yeah Um, yeah 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 that's a really good point sometimes you can listen to the music seeking enjoyment of of sound or some type of pleasure removed from what's actually being spoken but when you listen to the words and try to dissect that it gives you a completely different meaning deeper appreciation for the overall context of the song definitely I think this song really shows their creativity or gift uh, as writers. I wanted to to read through the lyrics because I thought they were really cool. It says, Up here where the air is thin, grasping the ground again, can you hear me? Can you hear me? A line in the scattered air, stripped of a when and where. It's an odd escape, a test of faith, but the choices I make are the best that I have to give you. If I speak to you, will you help me please? or pull me back to home at least it almost almost sounds like a, a poem when you speak it like that but then when you hear it sung with the the music i think it's really a complete song yeah that's cool I, i'm glad you take a moment to read the lyrics out because
0: um yeah that was a really uh good way of describing it and, and yeah nothing is overtly about her traffic control it's more just like poetry and evoking some feeling and outside of the subject matter itself but it's kind of fun when you add the actual subject in there, too, to know what, mm-hmm. what they're talking about.
2: Yeah, I th- I think when our listeners go back and check out this album uh, for the first time, they're going to be way ahead of us uh, compared to when we first did a run-through listening to this before doing our research. It's going to help them really understand and appreciate it more.
0: That's right. So we're spoiling you, all listeners.
2: <laughs> yeah. You realize how much
0: work it went into dissecting these songs, but it was fun. It was worth it.
2: We don't want to give too much away, though. That's right. So moving on. Yeah, should we move on to the next song? Yeah, track nine, titled From a Dream Into My Arms. All right, you have any idea what that one's about? Well, I had a feeling it was possibly about childbirth. It is, yeah. Wasn't sure if the guy was there for, for it. Um, there was the line, he said, I will just watch you projected from the screen. Wasn't sure if he was in the room with them or from afar. What did you think of it? So once again, I had the advantage
0: of reading a lot about it, and, and this song is about the invention of ultrasound which is another yeah. innovation that came out of World War I. Mm-hmm. And in World War I, it was originally used to track submarines. And it wasn't until the 1950s that it became used medically, but of course they decided to write the song after the fact because this is all how things progressed after, after World War I. So this is now you know, at least 40 years later, and it's a doctor doing an ultrasound on a baby in the womb. Hmm. That's really cool. I thought this one was cool because they matched the music a little bit to the words. It kind of had like a ambient, you know, womb like sound to it. It was kind of slow and watery and
2: warm. And then the the words reflected that too. Yeah. I guess if I would have looked at the lyrics a little bit more closely, it does say, while the sonographer measures your bones and your brain, I will just watch you projected from the screen from a dream into my arms. So basically that like they're seeing this, ultrasound and they they know it's it's real but it's still kind of a dream because the baby's not physically there and uh eventually it is and it's into my arms yeah that's pretty cool this
0: is another one that i think the main vocal the main vocals are done by david brewis if i'm not mistaken although peter brewis also sings some of the songs and and he does so while he's playing the drums so he's pretty multi-talented in in his ability to do that. But I think it's it's David Brewis on this song. And it's another one where I kind of heard Bowie a little bit in the vocal stylings. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the next track. We're on to track 10 now. This one is called Beyond That of Courtesy.
2: you're going to have to help me on this one too.
0: Yeah, no problem. I I as far as the sound goes, this this might be one of my this might be my second favorite track. Yeah, yeah. Really cool sound. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Once again in digging on this one, um I uncovered that this song is about I'm going to try to describe this this right. This is this is about the Inter-Allied Women's Conference. Hmm. So as world leaders gathered for negotiations to draft peace after the armistices, the vice president of the International Women's Suffrage Alliance wrote a letter. It was this was January of nineteen nineteen to Woodrow Wilson. They stressed that because some women actually fought alongside men and a lot of the women had provided support for the men in the war, that their issues should be addressed at the conference. And as the hmm. song title kind of implies, um, and as some of the lyrics say, it says, if if the recommendations have no force beyond that of courtesy, then all of Set and Balance shall stay unmoved. So this is sort of a, a plea at a time, an instrumental time after war, where people are rebuilding and making decisions for women to have a voice in the next phase of, of rebuilding, and um mm-hmm. This song was kind of basically saying, if you're going to listen, you got to make it happen. It's, it can't just be a courtesy to these women. that You're going to allow them to come. If, if their voice is going to be heard, changes have to be made as well. And so that's what this song's
2: about. Yeah, another cool historical context that was pulled from... That post-world war period. Yeah, and and I hear a lot of the same
0: 60s. I I can't decide if this is the one that made me think, you mentioned Beatles earlier, this Mm -hmm. one might have been the one that made me, at least on the first listen, think of some of the harmonies that Paul and John do. This was reminding me, and I'm not sure if if that's exactly what I would say, but it's definitely got a, you know, 60s sound to it for sure.
2: Yeah, I agree. All right, track 11, A Shot to the Arm.
0: All right, so that was A Shot to the Arm. What would you think of that
2: one, Shane? It was a good good song. I'm not sure who he's talking to when he says, Hey there, I'm talking to you. You're trying to hide, but I'm bringing my toys to school. Uh, Is that a reference to something meaningful that you found?
0: This is definitely one that I had to go completely off of what I was reading that it was about as I was researching for it. It's not super clear. When I first heard it, I thought maybe they were trying to make some comparisons to some of the gun violence that's going on today. The I'm bringing mm. my toys to school, reminding me of like school shootings and, oh. you know, trying to kind of dis- discuss how war and violence, you know, starting all the way from World War One and, and before continues um, today. But in my reading, apparently um, this is about something called Dadaism, which is an art movement in the European like avant-garde art in the early 20th century, and it was developed in reaction to World War I, and they also call it the, the Dada Movement. And the Dada Movement consisted of artists who rejected logic and reason and aesthetics of modern capitalist society, and then they chose instead to express themselves in, like, irrationality and nonsense and um, protest to an anti-bougie protest in their work— Art of the movement expanded like visual and literary and sound media, uh, collage, poetry, uh, but it also had a lot of performance art. And this song, as best I can tell in my research, is referencing a performance artist in 1971 named Christopher Burden, who had a performance art piece where he actually had people come and watch his partner shoot him in the arm. Hmm. And this, is,
2: this was part of the art exhibit. And wow. so that's exactly what... So it's a, a, a literal shot to the arm. Here I was trying to read into it and come up it's with... It's literally a shot to the arm. Some yep. deeper explanation, which is probably why I didn't really come up with anything uh, to stand upon. But I did think that maybe there was some war reference as well with um, the toys, potentially meaning guns and uh, kind of like playing off of that and making it, as if it's more light-hearted, although obviously it's it's not. I didn't make the connection um, to today with with school shootings, but yeah, I, I definitely had to do the research to figure that
0: out. It's not it's not super obvious when you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. But I liked how the music was similar to that. I don't know what Dadaism would sound like if you were trying to put it to music, but this song was very disjointed and and spazzy sound for lack of a better word it reminded me of some of the elements of this movement like rejecting logic reason and mm-hmm. and um expressing nonsense and irrationality this this song had the sound of nonsense and irrationality so to speak
2: mhm moving on let's talk about track number 12 and 13 common language part 1 and a common language part two, both instrumental tracks.
0: This is another grouping of songs that I, I didn't find anything in my research about what the title means or how it might relate back to the World War I theme. But again, I thought of it kind of like uh, what, was the, what was the track ahead of it. I Thought You Were Something Else, that, that fifth track being tracks that uh, just go from one to the next and maybe originated when they were thinking they were going to create a instrumental album for this art exhibit. What do you think of these tracks?
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure either. I was uh, thinking maybe the sounds of, of war because I, I think I had my mind on it being a World War I concept album, but not opening my mind to post-World War I concepts that, that could have been more mainstream issues that were going on in the world that d- didn't necessarily have a, a direct connection to war. Thinking about it now, I don't know what common language they could have been talking about coming coming back from war. I don't know. I'd have to do some digging on this one.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely did a lot of digging and didn't come up with anything for these, but hmm. it's a fun thing sometimes about doing an album dive. Sometimes you get to the bottom of it, and sometimes you just are left with an impression and, and um, it's up for interpretation still. So these these are going to have to fall in the latter category for yeah for
2: me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I thought I heard gunshots or the sounds of... Of fighter jets uh to some degree in the the music so I, I was thinking a common language like the language of war in that they all speak that and know know the sounds not like spoken language that that obviously differed from one country to the next but that they all spoke that sound of war but i don't oh, that's know a that's a good yeah possibly way off
0: that's as good interpretation as any there yeah i'm, I'm not positive but i i like the thought on that for sure I also will just say musically, I thought it was cool once again how these songs one bleeds into the next. So they're they're broken up as part one and part two. But if you were listening to these in sequence, which I would encourage you to do if you're listening to this album, you'll really have to pay attention to see the crossover from part one to part two, and and um, even between songs that aren't labeled as part one and part two. Here, they once as we mentioned before, these songs really. They did an interesting job, which makes for an interesting listen, it almost just feels like one big long song with many parts, and um, these two are no exception to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really flows well from one track to the next. I almost am wondering now why they decided to break that up into two tracks. They're both really short, but to call it part one and part two, obviously there's a a change in the, the sound But going back to us trying to figure out what that means contextually, I wonder if there's something about that common language theme and a transition from the sound in the first to the second. Maybe some of our listeners will have some insight on that and they can shoot us an email or drop us some comments on our social media pages and enlighten us on on what that might mean. Yeah, for sure.
0: Write us for sure if you have any idea what that one is about. A challenge. A challenge to the (laughs) listener. For you out there. (laughs) Right out of the gate. All right, well, let's move on to the next two tracks. We have Nikon Part 1 and Nikon Part 2.
2: Those songs about photography? Is that a camera reference? <laughs> it it a is Nike, a camera reference. Part one and part two. The that song
0: is about photography. What I couldn't figure out is how this song ties back to World War One. However, in my research I did discover that this song is about the Tiananmen Square protests of nineteen eighty nine that led to massacre of they're not really sure exactly how many people, but somewhere between hundreds or even thousands. And this was a protest in Tiananmen Square the day after the death of reformer Hu Yongbang, which is was a one-time Communist Party leader in China. And the mourners, and they were mostly students at first, made it really clear that they, they wanted what he wanted, more rights for common people, more democratic government. And the reason that this subject matter, I think, Decided they decided to put this in the song is some photos just were unearthed in June of 2019, taken by all Nikon photographers and one of the most famous photos is called Tank Man, and it's this photo of this guy that's just standing there. He's holding these two bags in his hands and he's standing in front of this line of tanks, um, protesting the presence of the the tanks being mm. there in the square. I think I've seen that. Have you seen that before? I had never mm-hmm. seen it before. Yeah. But the lyrics reference it. It's, it says, I'm watching you down the basement floor of the museum in the records room, away from view, quiet life of family. I have been removed through a quick escape to the island when you walked up right before the line. I could see you from the 11th floor of the hotel. In either hand, a shopping bag. So I loaded up my Nikon and started shooting, and you walked right up before the line. So just a mm-hmm. reference to that photograph. So that's what my reading told me that this song was about. I'm not sure how those protests in 89 relate back to World War I, but nonetheless, that's the information I got. And then part two bleeds right into one as we t- discuss some of the other songs that just sound like one long song. There is a change in the way the song sounds and the way that the music is, but it's um, it's subtle, and so if you're
2: not paying attention, you won't notice that track change over. I don't, I don't really have much uh, to say on those. They didn't really connect with me too much
0: i i liked the um the repeating bass line in the part one mm-hmm. that just traveled throughout the entire song it's it starts off the song and and then they build layers on it i like that kind of wave of guitars that comes in for the chorus
1: yeah that, all that the while cool. that
0: bass line stays the same yeah all right should we continue moving on the album yeah we only got a few
2: tracks left we're all running out of tracks. Only nineteen <laughs> tracks on this album. Pretty long album, but they they did that with all the instrumentals and shorter songs. Exactly. The total time I think is it's like forty two minutes long. So it's not super long. It's just no, broken it's, it up it's into not that long of, of an parts. album. Yeah, it's cool though. You can see through all the song tracks, they've they've really covered quite a variety of different contextual events surrounding. Uh, post-World War One times, that you wouldn't have any clue, really, except for a few songs that are more obvious as a listener if you didn't take the time to study and research the background. So our listeners should be thankful that you've gone to all that work and put it on a silver platter for them to understand and enjoy when they go back and listen to this start to finish. I was definitely nerding out on this album. It took me
0: down a whole <laughs> bunch of little rabbit holes. I yeah. was I was like one one Wikipedia-highlighted, paragraph (laughs) to another one just just down the rabbit trail of figuring out
2: how does this link to this and this link to this and i think i've learned more about world war one in the past couple hours reviewing this album than i did back in high school history class (laughs) yeah me too which is sad but i I only know it through the lens (laughs) of a british indie rock band (laughs) that's true definitely uh one perspective viewpoint all right well let's move on to track
0: 16 This one's called, If the Wind Blows Toward the Hospital. I really liked that ominous synth bass line, and it has like a subterranean underground sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very different. I read that this one is about some underground hospitals that were built to protect soldiers and patients in World War oh, I. Okay. And so that's what the, uh, I'm not sure if the wind blows towards the hospital. I'm not sure what the, how the title relates to that, but this song is supposed to be about, particularly France in World War One, build a bunch of underground hospitals. There's a famous mm. one called um, Carrier Suzanne that was discovered I think more recently unearthed but the, wor- the lyrics are on, on hearing the news we went underground but the weight of the stuff it found its way and found us out so maybe it sounds like uh, I don't know the history of that particular hospital but maybe a story where
2: despite their best efforts to hide they were discovered by the enemy perhaps hmm that's about as good of an interpretation as I could give I did get the sense that it was about wounded soldiers, but I'm not sure what the reference to the wind blowing toward the hospital would mean. Um, Yeah. Probably not a literal sense of of wind, but um, maybe, you know, you get wind of something that, like, um, maybe it's a reflection on the the number of casualties and wounded soldiers that everything was funneling toward the hospital, that that's where the wind was blowing. Yeah, it could be. That's where things kind of ended up after the war Sort of uh, post-war aftermath. Yeah, it's a short
0: song. Just it comes in just under a minute and a half, and that's track 16.
2: All right, Uh, number 17. Only in a man's world.
0: This one's got Talking Heads written all over it. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot like that song, Once in a Lifetime. Yeah,
2: I know, what, I know the song you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear that too. Yeah, this song was r- really cool. I, I might say this is one of the, the top tracks for for sound I mentioned earlier uh, number four track four best kept garden is probably my favorite from the album but I, I really like the sound of this one too it was fun a lot of energy almost made me think a little bit about uh, Michael Jackson with the guitar and then uh, the way the vocals sounded maybe a little bit of Prince in there too yeah yeah this this one definitely had uh, I certainly heard the Talking Heads and I could hear
0: some Prince in that one as well and uh, there's another one coming up that really makes me think of Prince. Definitely, mm-hmm. this is probably yeah, the yeah. most upbeat one. I mean, it's got that driving, a driving beat the entire song. Um, mm-hmm. This would be the one if you wanted to put something on in the car and bob your head to. There's not a a lot on this album that that's that. The rest right. of them kind of, <laughs> yeah. the rest of them kind of um, demand your attention a little bit, and and they're yeah. more enjoyed yeah. the way that we did in analyzing this album. I think just listening mm-hmm. to it, and this one really could stand out on its own on a mix or something. as just a A really enjoyable song yeah
2: yeah but then i I find it kind of odd uh what what they're singing about like the the lyrics are pretty serious and i don't really see how it matches the the sound you know talking about what kind of civilization has made the necessary conditions for procreation a luxury only a man's man's mad mad world you know things would be different if the boys bled if the boys bled too so i i think they're bringing up the idea that things would be totally different if if men were the ones who gave birth and possibly if if they had periods if that's what they're referring to with things would be different if the boys bled you know would we still have the same amount of procreation and what what dynamics would would change there i'm not really sure the the post world war 1 reference um from a historical standpoint what what that's talking about in the 1914 to 20s era any idea i do yeah the during the First World War, this is where they
0: developed some ways to stop bleeding quickly on the battlefield, and some of the innovation coming out of that is what developed into sanitary napkins for for women. And um, so, this song—it's kind of funny, basically saying that what comes out of out of this war is is a way to capitalize on this um, this innovation, and then sell it to women and, and, and tax it and, um, make profit off of it basically. And how he's kind of saying if, if men were the ones menstruating, we would just be giving these away for free basically. So he's talking about that. This was a Peter Brewis, writing the lo- the lyrics to this song. And I read an interview where he was basically saying he was a li- little bit embarrassed writing the lyrics mm-hmm. to the song, but then thought that's kind of what it's all about. We sort of should be a little bit em- embarrassed about the subject matter and how this is something that we've monetized and sold. And he even pointed out that we actually tax actually tax sanitary napkins more than we do men's razors. Hmm. So this this innovation after the war to stop bleeding soldiers was something that was monetized and And sold to women after the war
2: oh wow interesting yeah i guess that makes sense then maybe why the the sound then is more lighthearted and making uh light of the situation although it's obviously a a serious matter maybe uh, more more so poking at the the people who wouldn't think that or just like kind of the irony of how that developed after the war and then how it was monetized and used in a different way yeah. I mean I I was kind of laughing at myself too listening
0: to this song as I was preparing for this album and thinking boy the the headbanger song on this one is is the one about sanitary napkins. I, I don't know if I <laughs> if I feel how I feel about rolling down my windows and rocking this song but uh <laughs> rock it. But it is but
2: it's a great song so it's hard not to. Yeah. So I I think uh number 18 is probably the song where you heard even more Prince. I know I I sure did in that one definitely that's a good song let's get into that track 18, Money is a Memory. What did you think of that one?
0: It's another one that's upbeat, kind of like the previous one, Only a Man's World. I, I think these these, uh, 17 and 18 are probably the ones that stand out the most on first listen. I, I'm with you. I like track four, The Best, I think. Best Kept Garden is probably my favorite one. But on, on first listen, I, I liked Only in a Man's World and, and this one, Money is a Memory. Mm-hmm. And Money is a Memory, once again, as I'm reading about it and, and studying this album, is about the final payment by Germany. It was, believe it or not, the final payment for World War I by Germ- Germany was made in 2010. Wow. Reparations that it w- that it owed under the Treaty of Versailles. And so this song is written from the perspective of a fictitious, um, well, it'd be a real treasury.
2: Mm-hmm
0: the Bruis brothers imagining what this person might be thinking when they pay this final $94 million by the Germans in 2010 to, um, to finally cap off what was owed uh, from the Treaty of Versailles. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I gathered it was about the cost of, of war money being a a memory that it's not really there anymore. uh, And talking about that to some degree.
0: Yeah. and, And, and the, Jack's position on this one is just thinking about, I mean, it's probably just like this admin assistant, right? It's just somebody going through their bureaucratic duties and buried in papers in some office. And, you know, in these, in these papers are the echoes of these millions of lives that were turned turned upside down. And yet by 2010, this is just sort of checking a box in an office somewhere. Yeah. Wow. So I think they were, they were drawn to that happening
2: um, so recently. So almost 100 years for them to finally pay off their war debt. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Mm. And this one I heard, I definitely heard Prince. Oh, yeah. And I was also here, I know I've mentioned him already, but I also heard David Bowie on this one, uh, mm-hmm. that song Fame by David Bowie. This. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there was something about this one that was making me think that, just the way that he says certain words and sound of his voice again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another one of my favorites on this album. I think Money is a Memory, you know, I keep saying it's what my number two was i am sticking with my number one being uh, the best kept garden but yeah this this might be my number two or yeah right there with you or maybe the man's world there there's some there's some other good ones on here
2: yeah and then talking about album construction it's fitting that they put it basically toward the end of the the album the last lyrical song and um talking about the cost of war and the the fact that that you know the after all that after the dust settled this is what we're left with. And, you know, the money is a memory. Seems appropriate to put that at the end. I was trying to think of
0: why they left those last two pretty upbeat songs for the end. And then I was reading something that said everything was chronological in this concept mm-hmm. album story. And it may just be that that's the inspiration that they got with this, of course, being the final lyrical song, being a 2010 story that. Yeah, their inspiration was just to to write this song as a as more of an upbeat, and so they just happened to have those last two songs of the album being more that that pace, even though prior to this there was a lot of slow
2: ones. Yeah, but they're not quite done yet. They do have one more track to leave us with, track nineteen, another instrumental titled "An Independent State." So they end with an instrumental song, as you
0: said, it's called "An Independent State," and again, in my reading, I. I read that this song once again kind of like some of the themes it sounds like they had on their 2018 album the songs about brexit so at the very end this is supposed to just represent England being kind of it's sort of an isolated song it, it's it's a pretty long song relative to the rest of the album um, for an instrumental, because most of the instrumentals on this album are pretty short. This is mm-hmm. almost a three-minute instrumental, so it just kind of does leave you in this sort of isolated isolated feeling. In my reading, too, I discovered one of the reasons that Field Music is particularly interested in discussing Brexit is that their hometown in Sunderland was the first city to vote in favor of Brexit. Oh, and So that's one of the reasons I think that they're closely connected to, to that and, and being vocal about their disapproval of that is because it, it quite literally hit, hits close to home for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's the last track on the album
2: and that's really cool. That is Making a New World by Field Music. Yeah, Definitely a very complex album that covers a lot of topics not just immediately post-World War One, but all the way to the end of the album talking about Brexit and, and finally paying off the, the war debt and other issues and themes too that are not just specific to that time but that have carried over into today's world uh, as well which is really really cool once you really dig into it and and know what they're they're singing about it makes you appreciate the the completeness of the album although it's a few hand-picked snapshots of stories from their research probably when they first wanted to uh, put this together
0: yeah one last little Interesting fact that I discovered is apparently the signing of the Treaty of Versailles became effective. It was signed prior to this, but it became effective on January 10th, 1920, which is exactly 100 years prior to the release of this album. Oh, wow. That is cool. I thought
2: that was super, super interesting. Yeah, that's wild. So now that we've gone through all the tracks of this album, tell me why you picked it. And what was your experience as you uh, listened to it? You know what what makes it special to you? What's something that you'll you'll take away uh, from this one and and remember? I was definitely drawn to the story behind this album. We we had about a week to
0: pick an album for a new album for January and get this podcast created. And I was looking on the queue of what albums were coming out later this month. There's some other bands that I'm. Familiar, a little more familiar with, and looking forward to an album that comes out, but it just didn't give me enough time to pick those. But in retrospect, I'm really excited that I picked a band that I wasn't as familiar with. It was really fun to delve into a new artist, and at the end of the day, that's what this is all about, right? We're we're searching for new music. Mm -hmm. We're we're really diving deep and and uncovering some of the things that the artist wanted us to get. And man, there's no no better version of that than a 19-song concept album mm-hmm. about World War One, inspired by a piece of art. This is the most deep dive you can probably get in yeah. terms of going down this route. So I figured, what the hell, let's uh, let's start <laughs> this off hard. And, and I'm glad I did. One thing I will say for sure about this album is without putting it in the constructs that we had for creating this podcast, I, I certainly probably would have been interested in this album and listened to it, but there's no way I would have follow the themes and and figured out what all these songs were about if I didn't have the motivation to do it so we could talk about it for this podcast. And in doing so, I I can definitely say I enjoy this album a lot more understanding what the Bruce brothers were thinking of and what inspired them to create it. And so this will definitely leave a lasting impression on me for those reasons. I'm really glad I chose it. What were your impressions on your end, just listening to it? Through this last week,
2: yeah. Well, I think first run through the album, I, I thought it was very cool sounding. There's a variety of instruments and number of genres and and crossovers uh, to different styles of music that I thought was really cool as a listener. Yeah, for uh, sure. Away from the lyrics, the lyrics aside, just the the experience, the you know enjoyment of the sound was really cool. Uh, it was something fun and, and uh, engaging. You know the the transitions from one song to the next, how they interlace the instrumental. With the lyrical songs is really cool and and also how how they did a, a good job of contrasting the slow more serious intense songs with some some fun loving uplifting carefree kind of music it definitely takes you on a ride from from track one to the end of the album I thought the the lyrics were really difficult to deconstruct and uh, fully understand you know without doing some solid research on that after doing this podcast with you and hearing all the the stories from, from the work that, that you did to really dissect it. I look at it now in a different light. And, and I think when I go back through and and listen to it, start to finish again, I'll, I'll probably have a different perspective on it uh, because I know some of the deeper meanings behind the, the, the music. I, I kind of wonder what the average listener will think uh, when they go through it. I mean, I'm sure they'll appreciate the sounds as much as we did, but they probably won't be able to take the time that you did to to really understand and there's only a couple songs that I think are very clear in their in their message that people would get the context uh during a first run through so I don't know if people will fully appreciate it unless they they dive into it like uh like you did and uh analyze it on the level that we have here uh in the past uh, hour or so but, uh, but overall, I mean, I thought it was a really good experience. I'm glad you picked this album. I, I've listened to concept albums in the past, but I don't think I've ever deeply dissected an album like this uh, before. Um, not one that's quite on this level in terms of picking a very general broad theme and then a few concepts within that and then putting a collaboration of, of songs together that don't necessarily flow from one to the next, but they all kind of have a place and and uh, fit within this general concept so that was really cool that was a new experience for me as a listener and then listening to it uh with the intention of doing this podcast and really keying into the the music and challenging myself to try to understand it was a fun process too although difficult and challenging i I think i'll remember it a lot more than if i just listened to it without going down that that path of really trying to understand it yeah and even though
0: i will say it was much more enjoyable listen after I unpack these songs if, as I just take a step back from this album. I, I think it's a great album. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I listened to it. It'll be interesting to see where it ends up. I always like to do a little best of by the time I'm done with a year and think about what albums stood, stood out to me mm. throughout the course of the year and so we're just starting here in January. But you know some critiques I would have of it I, I think it's it's so cerebral that I'm in my head a little bit more on this album than I might be connected to it emotionally and sometimes there's a bridge between those two things you tap into something mentally and it and it bridges a gap to something emotionally or vice versa and and mm-hmm. certainly I did do some of that but I certainly started in my head on this one and I I mostly stayed there that's that's one of the things that I would say about this album is yeah I appreciated it a lot more intellectually perhaps than anything else and and the the little vignettes that they chose were really really interesting at the end of the day they're talking about a war which there's certainly a lot of emotional elements to a war and their their vignettes and their stories that they chose to write songs about do keep you a little bit at arm's length from some of that and i'm sure mm-hmm. that was their intention it's more of an art album than it is a emotional album but i thought it might be kind of interesting for them to throw in a little bit more about some of the emotional effects of the war and and um, some of those things they alluded to it in some songs but but it is kept to me a little bit at arm's length and then Mm -hmm. i talked a little bit earlier about how the the construction of the album and the music is is very it's very clean it's very tight and and rigid and and you can tell they're really talented musicians But some of the songs I like the best is where they showed a little bit of their human side, maybe a voice cracks or guitars that are a little bit off grid came in. Mm -hmm. For me, some of the things that I liked the most about it were some of the times that it broke free of what it mostly was, which was a Mm -hmm. a, a really tight, really clean concept album about a war held a little bit at arm's length. So overall, I really liked it. I don't know where it's going to end up for me as one of my favorites for the year. I guess we'll wait and see
2: yeah i th- I think it's one of those albums I'm gonna have to go back to at least a couple more times to fully appreciate it fully process it the first time or even maybe the second or, or third time going through um, so over time it'll it'll probably mean a little bit more especially after I digest everything that you've you've shared about the context of the songs and then go back and listen to them not in such a, a cerebral sense, being so caught up and trying to understand it, but actually knowing and then just being able to listen to the music now and enjoy it as a, a listener while having the context in the background as well might be a little bit more enjoyable and, and freeing the next time I, I, I go through it. That's true. Well, I, w- what it showed me for sure
0: is that Field Music's a really talented band. It's really cool to discover a band this late into their discography and realize you've got so many albums in their case you get we've got six studio albums and then all these side projects that we could go back and pretty excited to listen to especially last year's album being the one that a lot of critics and and fans talked about as being their best you can tell they're really talented musicians and it's going to be fun to go back and listen to everything else that they've done
2: Yeah, I'm excited to do that, too. In fact, I almost wish I would have taken a listen to some of their best songs over the years, or maybe listened to that last album. Uh, Maybe that would have given me a different perspective or understanding of them as a group, and then to hear this album. I'm sure it was, was challenging. If they hadn't done many concept albums in the past, it's not a cliche album, so... It may not give a, a true sense of who they are as a, a band. Maybe not a true reflection of of their entire body of work, all their albums. But you definitely get introduced to the sound. If this is the the first album of theirs that you've listened to, like you and I, they let you know about their uh, their musical talents and their array of of sounds that they're able to create and and the genres that they cover. And it, it's very clear that they're a, a, an outstanding band, a lot of musical talent that you know makes me want to check them out too and look at some of their older albums and, and see what else they've put out there. To wrap it up, I think it's so far had the
0: desired effect. I really enjoyed digging in on this album. I'm glad I picked one that I didn't start to listen to and go, oh boy, this is going to be a long week and <laughs> happen to listen to this over and over again. I, I enjoyed it more the more I listened to it. And some albums, uh, it may have been the other way around. I've certainly had albums that I'd started listening to and decided later I wasn't wasn't in love with and this one grew on me and i think it probably will continue so i'm glad we did it same here nice pick all right well you'll be up next shane i'm looking forward to it got one older album to do left in january so stay tuned we'll talk to you guys next time peace
2: if you're enjoying listening to album divers you can support our podcast by subscribing reviewing and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers.
0: We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never
2: heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcastgmail.com at and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music
0: that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time.